Hi everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of 42 to Doomsday, where I am Mark. I'm Rob. And tonight, we are back, and it's about time. This episode, it's our version of the 50th anniversary after party, where, like dear old William Russell, we are picking through the highlights of the anniversary smorgasbord. sojourn over in the mother country, Mark has returned. Hello. Hello. And with him, he has brought possibly the worst English cricket team to visit our shores in <laughs> 20, 30, 60 years. They are appalling. They, well, they are appalling. And our uh, English listeners uh, over the water, hang your heads in shame and just concentrate on the soccer, I'm sure. Uh, Mark, you've been over to the UK and uh, you, you tweeted a, little, a few images. You seem to be stalked by the TARDIS as you made your way around... Uh... North Wales, yes. North Wales, of all places. <laughs> yes, uh, that's where I was staying with my relatives. So uh, they had a North Wales uh, TARDIS tour where the uh, TARDIS prop was uh, being uh, moved around various locations. And uh, one of the days I was there, uh, it happened to be around the corner. So in the soaking rain, I found the TARDIS uh, prop. Uh, quite a bit of a crowd around there as well. And... Um, Asked somebody to to take my picture if he didn't steal my phone. And took a picture for him and the, the guy said to me, oh, look, this is going to be a bit geeky, isn't it? And I said, not really, mate. I've just travelled 12,000 miles for Doctor Who convention. So basically a whole lot of fans were committing selfies in front of the TARDIS prop. Actually, I don't think there were real fan fans. I just think there were just basically general punters off the street. So... Um... Yeah, it took quite a few photos for other people. So the TARDIS going around the UK was like the progress of, you know, English monarchs around their realm just to make sure that, <laughs> you know, their subjects who are living in poverty could see that they actually had a king anointed by God. So the TARDIS prop was sort of anointed by the BBC and it was just a slow progress around. It was a sense around one small province, though. <laughs> it was like the Olympic torch, really, when you get down to it. It was, but without as much money. <laughs> And imagine actually having to carry that around on your back. You know? Oh, yeah, it was just quite sort of in a little neat location. So, yeah, managed to find that anyway. And then I uh, had a few days break from that and went down to Cardiff for the Doctor Who experience um, and also managed, coincidentally, had a set tour uh, on that day as well. So saw the TARDIS studio set, which is made out of balsa wood and uh, Aggie piping sprayed silver. And is that... Um... The the Doctor experience is that what we saw in the uh, the Five Ish Doctors reboot? Yes, it was. So basically, the Doctor experience is the exhibition, but during that day they had a special offer where you could also visit the studio set. So we managed to get onto the studio, the TARDIS studio set, and have a look around that. But the exhibition was there, and they had a, a Lego Dalek in the foyer. Um, they had the sixties console from Adventure in Space and Time, which looked absolutely gorgeous. It looks stunning. And it's a uh, green uh, green paint. You have to reel, wheel that out at some stage for a story. Oh, it looks fantastic. It looked fantastic. And then it had the 80s console as well, um, which was also nice to see. Had the David Tennant TARDIS console, the Eccleston Tennant TARDIS console there as well. Uh, unfortunately, they had the uh, last five minutes of the end of time on an endless loop, mm. which really put me off. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go, for God's sake. That was the only thing that sort of marred it. A lot of the props actually shipped down to the XL convention, so it was sort of the second level was a little bit... A uh, bit bare? A bit bare, that's the word I was looking for. And, and, that's, and when you're saying it was the TARDIS uh, set... 
It's actually where they film. That's exactly it. It's actually the studio set where they film. Oh, really? So, uh, yeah, so you go for the doors open it up and uh, there it is it's all there uh looks so much high tech on this on the on the screen obviously but um yeah it was good to see that uh had a few photos around that couldn't touch it of course uh it got told off surely people were pouring at it though surely you could just see finger marks and you know grease all over it <laughs> some of the photos had to pretend i was holding buttons you know sort of five <laughs> feet away i'm sure they can do some cgi photoshop with that and then um the Doctor Who experience that night, they had a special screening of uh, An Unearthly Child. It, it, it wasn't um, bombed by Steph Coburn by any chance, was it? <laughs> yeah, who's out the front protesting about his lack of royalties? Just a, just, a, just a 60-year-old man with a placard saying, I hate my father, but I hate the BBC more. Yeah, give me the cash now. I Actually, I, I remember I read his... Um, he wrote something on Wikipedia about in, in, the, uh, in the history section on his father's section on Wikipedia. And it was quite eloquent in his... Uh, little denunciation of basically everyone but um that's by the by but yeah no apologies to steph if you're listening but uh grow up you're not gonna win and then they had a a screening of adventures in space and time so i saw it on the thursday night beforehand and uh, they had a repeat showing there they decided to turn the heating off so as they were replaying uh recreating the the 10th planet scenes in the arctic i absolutely felt that arctic bite uh, as I was watching it because it was so cold and by the end of the screening I think most of us had hypothermia and frostbite. Well it is a tough economic times in the UK so I suppose that the climate is one thing you don't miss about living in the UK. Although it didn't snow so I was quite happy with that. And of course the Dumont on the, on the 23rd of November the, the big XL event. So did you go how many days were you in attendance? Uh, I only went for the one day on the Saturday okay. and I had had enough by then I was, I was hooed out as John Ethan Turner used to say I was uh, yeah, it was a very full on day. Eight thousand people, I think. So I've I've seen you know uh, footage of uh, events like you know the San Diego Comic Con and the New York Comic Con, where there's literally tens of thousands of people just trooping around. Now, obviously, the XL Con was a bit. I mean, you said eight thousand. What was it like? Is it was it one massive hall or side rooms or the the actual venue itself was huge and um, panels were held in one sort of large auditorium, very large auditorium, and they had like another large auditorium. We had some props from the card the Cardiff exhibition, and they had some uh, you know little stall sellers there, like Forbidden Planet and the BBC shop, all selling coincidentally the same stuff. Forbidden Planet, for example, could have had a lot more range of books. Just, it was just the same official BBC tat that you could get in any anywhere really you wonder why they bother some i mean i know what the bbc would do it but a smaller rate well, not the forbidden planet is a small retailer but why you would i mean they just perhaps they're just flying the flag and get the you know the name out there amongst fans they released the enemy of the world dvd there on the saturday and it came with a special slip cover now i missed that because the the bbc shop they actually you had to queue up to get in yeah. and i just could oh, i said oh, i'll get there and there later on just never went back there to, to be honest there's too much other things to do so saw the panel with um the regenerations panel i had tom colin uh, Peter and Sylvester on there. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, that was interesting. Tom Baker gets on the stage and sort of sits quite far away from the others to begin with, and slowly takes a seat with the others. So, um, do, you, do you think that was a bit of an act, a bit of a performance for the crowd? I don't know. I don't know. He's a hard but, he's um, a hard man to read now, isn't he, Tom Baker? He is a very hard man to read. But got his autograph as well and shook his hand. So that was a, a definite highlight for me. Interestingly enough, they in the autograph uh, box. Uh, they had them all sort of boothed off, uh, all the doctors, and they had uh, Tom Baker sitting next to Janet Fielding. So that was quite uh, interesting. interesting, an interesting uh, observation in body language between the two of them. <laughs> quite frosty. 
Oh, well. Well, what are you going to do? It was a long time ago. A long time ago. Move on. All the cues and everything moved quite well. So it was very well run and all that sort of thing? From front of house perspective, I didn't know what the hell was going on in the back of the house, but the front of house stuff was pretty good. Saw the 11th hour panel with Moffat and Smith and, and Jenna Louise Coleman and Marcus Wilson. That was pretty good. Just on the panels as such. Mm. I mean, I know these people, you know, these actors have been doing this for, you know, decades, basically. They're retailing the same stories over and over again. Did you get the sense that um, from any of the panels that it was sort of, you know, we're here because we are here and what we're saying is something that we, we basically know backwards, upside down, inside out? Or did you think that there was a genuine sort of commitment to the whole thing? Look, some of it was. I mean, Moffat, you can't read his demeanour. He's quite. I think he's quite a dour man. Uh, mm. Matt Smith seemed quite enthusiastic, but I think he's also, I think he's actually genuinely sad to be going. Um, some people ask questions, but it was mainly kids. Okay. So obviously, they were the easy. The questions are pretty, you know, as what kids ask. Very, you know, what's your favorite monster? Nothing. You know, he's going to get up to Stephen Moffat and said, "Why do you introduce this new incarnation? What were you thinking of?" So it's probably a good idea they didn't give the microphone to me. And then. His answer would be that Christopher Eccleston screwed me around. And more of that later. Ooh, okay, more of that later. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I bumped into Phil Morris, the man. Bless the reins, the man himself. He was sort of standing. Uh, in, in, a, in one of the corridors, and he didn't even have a panel himself. That's remarkable. Oh, I suppose it's it's the you know I, yeah I can understand why they wouldn't. He, he would be someone yeah no fair enough. And I'm not a very uh, pushy person, but actually did sort of summon up the gumption to go and walk up to and you know interrupt his conversation with somebody else who uh, and said to him, just want to say and thank you of uh, on behalf of Australian fans, uh, thank you Phil for finding weather fear and and an enemy of the world and uh, yeah had a bit of a chat to him about that and. Um, Said to him at the end of it, hope you find more, mate, and gave him a knowing wink. Did he wink back? No. Yeah. Probably called security by then. <laughs> the strangest, the strange Australian is winking at me. Someone call security now. Exactly. And it's not about the cricket. And then uh, Annika Wills is sort of walking around the place. She wasn't actually uh, on the day's events, but um, she was sort of uh, there to sort of see her friends. So sort of pounced on her and had a had a, had a taken with her, had a quick chat, and that was Did it. Did he wink at her? Yeah. <laughs> I'll wink at anybody. You're a winking tart. I'm a winking tart, but um, yeah, it was yeah, it was amazing. And the ho- well, the highlight of your day, basically, definitely meeting Tom Baker was a highlight. Having a talk to Colin Baker about the cricket was uh, another highlight. Was sort of giving a bit of grief about that. Does he like his cricket? Does he? He loves his cricket, Colin Baker. Yes, very much so. As someone who has loathed the Australian cricket team for the last five or six years, this turn of events, this last week, has just been tragic for me. But I move on. I, 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 I operate on a higher plane than what's going on in Adelaide at the moment. Again, we're luckily we're enough to uh, get tickets to see the uh, Day of the Doctor at the BFI. So That's right, because at the time when they, they obviously booked everything for Excel, they didn't realise that they probably couldn't show it to everyone. No, that's right. It was sort of done as an afterthought and uh, in 2D on a on a 46-inch plasma, probably, mm. but uh, I wasn't having that. So uh, luckily, we managed to get some tickets to see it at the uh, at the BFI. Now, where is the where is the BFI in relation to the XL Con? It was uh, it's it was about oh, I reckon about half an hour away by foot. Uh, no, we got a cab. We were that lazy. We were stuffed. We were absolutely knackered by the end of the day. So we um, managed to get, we got a cab back to our hotel had a quick shower and a change and whatever and then headed over there we got the train actually there well once you lock you know 8,000 fans into a building it, it, it would be odiferous I think the word would be luckily they had great ventilation there so I didn't I didn't uh, have to endure <laughs> od- od- de fan uh, t- 
too much. Look, everybody seemed very, very happy on the day. I, had, uh, I was able to talk to some fans. Uh, fans had come all the way from Russia, for example. There is a Russian. There is a Russian Doctor Who podcast, which is you know, is there? Um, there is. If you go to the Doctor Who podcast alliance on the on the list, there's a. Is it the something of Rassilon or something or El Gallifrey? I'm surprised uh, Vladimir Putin hasn't actually uh, shut that one up and sent them off to the same prison as Pussy Riot, but uh, it's, it's early days yet. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Those salt mines, they, you know, they, uh, they, need, they need felling, don't they? They do. They do. And hello to Pussy Riot if you're listening. They aren't. Take it from me. They're not. No. So yeah, a lot of, it was a very friendly atmosphere, I suppose, at the Excel. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, a, lot of, I said, a lot of American fans were there and I was talking to them and, and They've all obviously got into it via the news series, same with the Russian fans. So it is working. I think quite a high proportion of the audience were you know, new, new fans and come over all over from all over the world to uh, to to, view, to experience it. I often I often wonder, just off on a tangent, what would happen? What what would the BBC do if the show's ratings, be, you know, went into a you know a decline in the UK anyway? But the merchandising still, you know, merchandising money still flowed into their coffers, and it was still booming in the in the US. I wonder what they would do. They'll do it Netflix style. Wow! Like like House of Cards. Just interesting. Just interesting how they how they might approach that, and because I mean, the how long's the show been back for? It's eight years now. Eight and years. You can see it making it to ten. Well, they'll have a three or four Doctors reunion. I'm sure ten of them will be back in the shot, and so will Matt Smith. But uh, you, know, you just wonder how many years this current run has got in it. But um, let's not worry about that. No, now. Let's no, 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 celebrate. So anyway, you made your way down to the BFI after. A, oh, the BFI, yeah. yeah. So it's the BFI, and uh, luckily we're in the same audience as um, Stephen Moffat was there with his family. Mark Gaddis was, was there. Was Moffat stalking you? Was he? I'm that type of guy. <laughs> and then um, and Gaddis as well. Mark Gaddis. Gaddis was there. Phil Collinson was in there. Uh, Sylvester McCoy turned up. John Hurt was there. Matt Smith walked in. Everybody, you know, applauded. He's a cool dude, Dave eh, Matt Smith. He's, he's one of the younger brigade. They're, they're pretty naturally cool. And Jenna Coleman turned up with uh, her boyfriend, Rob Stark. And then, um, Rob Stark. Oh, from uh, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. I can't remember his name. It's called Rob Stark. That Just just for uh, Game of Thrones fans, it ends badly. Don't worry. Hopefully their wedding won't be a red wedding. No. Jenna Coleman sat about two rows away from me. Uh, so close I could feel her fire. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so we all put our 3D glasses on, and off we went and watched uh, Day of the Doctor. And and again, you're in a in a, in a hall filled with like-minded fans. Yeah, there's quite a few fa- there's quite a few fans, and I think there's quite a few industry professionals in there. Oh, really? As well, so uh, it was quite an interesting mix. So who did the intro? Uh, the comedy Sontaran did the intro. Oh no, no, but oh, no, no, of, it was um was it Dick Fitty. Uh, no, Dick Fitty did it as well, and I think Justin Timberlake. Bieber? No, it wasn't. It was, I can't remember his name. The guy from the BFI. Okay. He does. Um, he does some of the the, the BFI screenings. What the hell they're called? Okay. But anyway, I think they. Did, I can't remember if he actually said something. He probably did. And, and the response to the day of the doctor? Mm. Well, they laughed in the right places. They uh, when they saw Capaldi's eyebrows, uh, the place went nuts. <laughs> the most amazing reaction to a pair of eyebrows I've seen. Um, yeah, since Dennis Healy, probably, in the UK. Oh. And then um, at the end, with the Tom Baker cameo, you just hear the, you know, the, 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 the tones of Tom Baker. And I think there was quite a few wet underpants. And a, quite a few... <gasps> oh, like that. Yeah, including myself, actually. Interesting, so, interesting. So that was my trip in a nutcase, really. No, that sounds like, that sounds like you had a really good time there. That's fantastic. It was, and then I, I, did, I didn't want to do anything with Doctor Who after that. I just had two or three days in London looking around and 
went to Greenwich, did the London Eye and a few other things, and then got back and still recovering from jet lag and now deafness as I went and saw a rock concert last night. So, what about your uh, viewing experience of Day of the Doctor? What, how did you uh, see it? Well, um, so as everyone in Australia would know that the, the I think the ABC started screening it at six fifty, and I was gently snoring to myself in bed. I wasn't because I I had booked uh, about a month earlier to go to the cinema uh, on the other side of town with some friends and uh, well, my my wife and two kids and some friends uh i thought i don't want to be going having paid 90 dollars for tickets going to see it again and be you know knowing what i'm going to see i want to go to the cinema and, and be you know spoiled as such well, not unspoiled you know surprised so uh got up and, and drove across town and um met up with some friends and we had a couple of coffees and and then we went upstairs to this is the jam factory for those people who live in melbourne uh, where the cinemas are and uh it was i reckon it would have set it about four or five hundred people just st- your standard stadium seating at the cinema um, not as many people as I thought would be dressed up. I mean, there was you know, a few a few Matt Smith uh, impersonators or wannabes. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, we we sat there and uh, watched it. And as you said, everyone sort of laughed in the right spots, and everyone sort of wept in the right spots. And uh, the audible gasps when Capaldi's eyebrows uh, appeared on the screen, and uh, you know, just a real lump in the throat moment when uh, when Tom Baker appeared uh, right at the very end. And uh, yeah, I, I it was. Uh, I was very happy to have actually gone along to see it with a large number of people because it gives it a different vibe. Otherwise, I would have been sitting up at 6.50 in the morning, Sunday morning by myself, having watched it, and it wouldn't have been much of an experience. It just would have been another TV program in a sense. But seeing it on the big screen with you know my wife and daughters and some friends, and it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. I was quite happy to have done that. I hope the kids who watched the special got the same sense of... Uh, wonderment and uh, excitement as I did watching The Five Doctors all those years ago. Well, I know my kids, um, they uh, they didn't say much after the, you know, after we sort of walked out and we had, we had a bite to eat because by the time we got out it was almost lunchtime. It was actually lunchtime. And, uh, but afterwards in the car on the way home and then uh, I, we went visiting uh, my folks who were down, they, they just wouldn't stop asking questions about the show and, and what they'd seen and, uh, you know, who, who was this? And, and, and my eldest daughter was trying to get her head around the whole idea of you know different actors playing the same role and uh very very patiently ran it through it a, f- a few times and i think she understands it now but uh, uh no it, it certainly sparked interest in them i said <laughs> i asked them did they enjoy it and they sort of you know my eldest daughter sort of shrugged her shoulders and said no it's all right my youngest daughter said oh i was a bit bored um <laughs> but uh no, that, i mean as i said in the previous podcast um my solo cast while you're overseas they they may have may carry memories of that particular you know day with them uh, you know as they get older and older but um, no they they seem to my wife enjoyed it she doesn't um, I, memorably I, scre- I when we were going out before we got married I I said let's watch Caves of Androzani it's the best Doctor Who story in the eighties and and uh, she basically fell asleep by the end of part one so we put that on the she's not a big fan of Doctor Who but uh, or classic anyway but uh, she does have yeah. time for the new series. Uh, yeah, they all do. Yeah, they all do. I mean, you know, there's pretty girls and pretty boys and all that sort of thing. But she enjoyed it enough, so it was. I'm really pleased that I went with my family to say it because I was umming and ahhing about the cost. But you know, as a family, we don't get to go to the cinema much, and uh, so it was it was well worth the time and and, uh, and the money. Should we rip the episode to shreds, or should we go into a quick musical break? I think uh, we're going to a quick musical break.
So, Mark, um, as we're all aware, in the lead-up to the uh, 50th anniversary, the BBC put on a whole load of uh, programming on radio and television uh, celebrating the show. Uh, I mean, you know, you're, you're only 50 once, and the BBC celebrated for all it was worth. Um, and uh, there was a, there was an amazing array of programs on, as, it, as I said before, on the radio and the television. Uh, I think a couple of podcasts ago I sort of questioned the worth of some of those ones, uh, I think the science of Doctor Who was one of those that I sort of questioned. But um, what, did, what did you catch uh, while you were overseas in terms of programming to celebrate the show? I hardly watched anything, to be honest. The only one I really sort of watched was uh, Adventure in Space and Time. So uh, that was the one I was really looking forward to and set aside some time. Did you watch it by yourself or with, with friends or family? I, I watched it by myself in another room of the house because my auntie and uncle weren't too interested. So uh, I watched it by myself with a, with a Kit Kat and a cup of tea. And I loved it. I thought it was uh, the ultimate love letter to the old days, really. It was fantastic. David Bradley was superb as Hartnell. Doctor, though, was a bit gruffer than Billy Hartnell was on telly. But uh, the recreations were great. I mean, you know, docudramas always sort of embellish a lot of things and, you know, reduce some of the, the important events. But the scene where, you know, David Bradley is sort of hunched over the fireplace, he looked exactly like uh, Hartnell did. And he was uttering those words, I don't want to go with real emotion. Nearly moved me to tears when the 10th Doctor said it, just really moved my bowel. I would have been happy with that, to be honest, if they hadn't done a 50th anniversary special. I would have been more than happy with that. I just thought it was stunning and uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. And well done to Mark Gattis, who uh, I think grossed the occasion on that. What did you think, Rob? Oh, look, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I really enjoyed it with, with a couple of reservations. Um, as, as a, I suppose, as you said before, a docudrama, you, you, you see that it's, it's a mixture of fact and fiction. I mean, they, the idea is to create a compelling narrative out of a s- series of you know, facts uh, about the show and you know Gaddis has obviously done his research and, and turned uh, memos and notes and and and, and you know scribblings in margins in, into actual you know dialogue between characters and of course you know because you have only got a limited amount of time you've got to compress things so people who are important to the series for like uh, Whitaker uh, doesn't make an appearance at all his his the sort of thing that he would have said was shifted over to, to other mm. character or characters. I really enjoyed the performance of uh, of Brian of Brian Cox as the sort of upstart uh, new worlder coming over and, and teaching the BBC how to how to make television drama. The girl, the, the girl, Jessica Rain, the woman, uh, Jessica Rain, who uh, she was in Hyde, wasn't she? As the uh, uh, she was, I mean, she was really great. I mean, uh, again, uh, in a sense, it's the stereotypical you know woman in a, a man's world, uh, you know, having to stalk the, the corridors of the BBC to get things things done. And just be pushy and pushy and pushy, but um, her performance was was good. Um, Bradley was, uh, I mean, in effectively a dual role. I mean, you know, he started off gruff as you know, the, as William Hartnell and sort of mellowed, and you could see that through the interaction with his granddaughter. Um, mm. you're, you're right. I think his his portrayal of William Hartnell. I mean, seeing the clip of uh, of Hartnell uh, from the, you know the end of uh, the Dalek invasion of Earth. There's a lighter touch to his delivery that you didn't see. And a more and, a, yes. and an almost a more whimsical touch that you didn't see in Bradley's performance, but you know, that minor quibbles aside, the el- the only problem I had with the docudrama was the depiction of of Bradley's decline. It just seemed that if that was in any way, you know, the reality, I'm surprised that anything got done in the last eighteen months of his tenure because it was it from from watching the docudrama, 
he, he was suffering from you know dementia you know for those last 18 months and he was barely able to get the scripted line out of his mouth um, again I understand that you you go down that path because you're seeking an emotional punch with the audience um, but it, it, it I'm not angry about it but uh, it just struck me as being you 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 are pouring it on a little bit too thick you know you're you're laying it on a bit too thick but um i think the highlight of the, that 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 performance was you know again as you said before we was hunched over the fireplace of the the heater there and he, you could just it was just even if he'd said nothing his despair and 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 sadness was just in the physical the way he he held himself um so yeah and i i suppose they did a reasonable job of evoking 60s uh, the 60s, you know, England or, you know, the UK um, on the cusp of a bit of a re- cultural revolution. But um, And, of course, there was some interesting, you know, guest appearances in the background there during the party scene for uh, Verity Lambert's, you know, going. There was, I think it was, Anna, was it Annika Wills? And, uh, it was Annika Wills, it was Jean Marsh, and there was... Um, and Donald Tosh, apparently, you know, lurking in the background was he? there. That's what I've, I've... I've never seen a picture of Donald Tosh. I, I'm actually surprised that he's still alive. But um, I'm actually surprised anyone from the 60s is still alive, to be frank. Did you see um, Carol Ann Ford? Was she in that group shot? She was... No, she was actually... Uh, she was like... A, made up like an old old housewife calling in the kids. Yes, that's right. Was, and William Russell was there, apparently. Yeah, he was there as the, uh, the BBC car attendant or car commandant, whether it's car park. Was, was that him having a go at Brian Cox? Yes, it was. That I was couldn't him. recognise him. Was he wearing a moustache? He was wearing a mustache. Well, there you yes, go. there you go. I'll just go back to your point about what you mentioned about Hartnell in the last eighteen months of his uh, of his time as a doctor. I think I read uh, or listened to an interview with Peter Purvis, basically saying that uh, he that gave him a quite a lot of the lines yeah, um, okay. off Hartnell uh, on uh, shifted quite a lot of the load onto onto him, especially in the massacre, um, to sort of try and make things a bit more tolerable for Hartnell, but. It, it couldn't have gone on for much more longer than that. There's no way. Well, you, I mean, you can see that they made several attempts before the Tenth Planet to. I mean, you know, the Savages. Yeah. Uh, Celestial Toy Maker. There, there was there was ample opportunity there to to go down. You know, to to, to basically get rid of Hartnell. I'm, I'm glad that uh, a lot of the times with Doctor Who, the choices that they make, are, you know, in in desperate circumstances, remarkably have been the best choices because I mean the whole idea of you know the regeneration. Uh, of the character has given the show a longevity that it otherwise wouldn't have had. I mean, imagine if to you know continue the character a la the savages that you, you you had to go down that method, which is completely contrived. Or you know, every so often he the celestial toy maker turns up and he vanishes and comes back with a different face. It just, I mean, that would be that would <laughs> ludicrous. It, it'd be ludicrous. I mean, a whole idea of regeneration is ludicrous, of course, but at least it you know it, it it's 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 the least worst option basically. So yeah. But I mean, I mean, I take your point about Peter Perf saying that. I mean, it would be, I mean, in the last you know couple of years, we've had a whole lot of uh, biographies come out of important figures in, in in the show's production history, and I don't, I know, I think it's Jessica Carney Hartnell's granddaughter has written a book about her her, her grandfather. I just bought it actually. I'd be keen to have a have a read of that, but I'd I'd like an objective look at Hartnell, his career, especially his career in Doctor Who, and. And what those you know last year or so was actually like for, you know in terms of getting the show out because again if, if there's any grain of truth in um, an adventure in space and time about those last you know last few months uh, of his tenure, it, I'm surprised again that anything got done. It's just yeah yeah but, uh, no it was it adventure in space and time pushed all the right buttons. Uh, I think the script was very well put together by Gaddis. I think it might be one of you know the best couple of scripts that he's done for the show. 
Um, uh, and uh, I think that in terms of celebrating, you know, it, depicting the beginning of the year, the, the show, yeah, what Hartnell brought to the show, and 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 you know, when we, when we when, when you look back, uh, his portrayal helped lay the the, the 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 foundations for the rest of the show's history. I mean, we wouldn't be here if Hartnell was a failure. What about the um, the cameo with Matt Smith? I mean, it's I've heard some conflicting uh, viewpoints on it. I didn't mind it personally. I thought it was quite touching. You think about it, doesn't make sense, but from an emotional point of view, I thought it was a nice touch. What what did you think of that scene? Again, I mean, I think obviously they're going for the emotional touch. The emotional, you know, they're, they're trying to push those buttons that get the audience uh, reacting. Again, it makes absolutely no sense within the narrative of the show unless somehow Hartnell, through his dementia, has developed psychic powers and can see into the future. <laughs> uh, you know, which is, you know, we should all get dementia then, basically, if you want to see the future. But um, on one level, it works. On another level, it takes you right out of the the, the, the fiction of what, you, what you're watching. At the end of the day, it doesn't. It didn't destroy the credibility of the show. And uh, I, I, th- I think it was definitely a, a, one of those great viewing experiences. Um and as you say, a nice, uh, you know, uh, nod to the past. I found, and as you said before, I found it. I'm, I'm, I think I've always been a bit of a softy and sentimental, sentimentalist because I, these sort of shows do make me sort of choke up. And seeing Hartnell sort of, you know, being, sorry, Bradley being very upset about, you know, telling his wife that he's out the door. You, you feel for the, for the character. I mean, he invested so much of himself uh, into the role and saw himself as being irreplaceable when suddenly he's no longer realizes that and and you know you you, you felt i felt a great deal of sorry for the old anti-semite but um <laughs> happy birthday bill <laughs> uh, but yeah no that was a, that was a really lovely production While I was in, in the UK, I was checking my Twitter feed and uh, all of a sudden I kept hearing the words Paul McGann. Now, I thought, oh God, don't tell me he's died on the, on the eve of the anniversary. But in his character, he did. The Eighth Doctor returned. What a masterstroke. Well, again, they had to release it. They had to release it on that day because it was going to be leaked very shortly. Uh, they had to release it earlier than what they'd planned. But as it turned out, it was you know, fortuitous because it was on uh, McGann's birthday. For a man who's 54, if I look like that when I'm 54, Jesus bring it on 54 to doomsday 54 to doomsday similarly to you um well actually i'd gone to bed uh at about 11 o'clock that night uh, australian time and then uh, a mutual acquaintance of ours sent an email around uh at 11:25 saying this is after i checked my emails the next morning saying uh, watch this and i got a, I, you know so i was reading that on in the morning on my twitter feed or my email and uh, stumbled into the I turned the computer on and will blow me down it's McGann and uh, the, the following 6 minutes and 40 odd seconds was uh, that was just fantastic it was a great present to the fans it sort of actually made you realise you wanted to see more of him and I know there was an online petition to try and get another uh, mini series or something with McGann in the, in, in the title role which wouldn't worry me personally I thought he was, I thought it was great It's um, you, now you saw Paul McGann uh, yesterday uh, our time uh, in a, at a convention here in Melbourne and I, I did. Uh, he did speak about um, how he got the gig or how he was approached. Do you? What, what did he actually say? So it was all quite cloak and daggery. So when he was in Brisbane, apparently his agent rang him and said that uh, the BBC have been in contact and would he be interested? And he said, well, yes. 
Um, and then it went to the next level where uh, Stephen Moffat uh, called him directly and sort of gave him an outline of what he was thinking of. And they agreed. Um, in May, uh, he filmed it. It was filmed the day after the after rap party for the 50th anniversary special. So apparently everybody was hungover. Uh, he Moffat knocked out the script the night before. Jeez, that's impressive, isn't it? It's really? impressive, really. It was uh, all his best uh, ideas condensed into six and a half minutes, really, wasn't it's it? It's amazing how fear is the great motivator. Yes, he just said he was sent down to Cardiff uh, in a blacked out car, smuggled in. A bit like Capaldi was into the uh, the, the live show. And that was it. So it was filmed secretly in May. Uh, he didn't tell too many people. Obviously, didn't tell the other classic doctors. And um, lo and behold, it was, I think they were going to release it on the 22nd or the 23rd. Uh, but obviously, as you, as you mentioned before, it got leaked. Are there no secrets at the BBC? Oh, my God. It's like the it's like they're housed in a glass house. Where the whole building, you know, the, where they've relocated to is just a massive glass house. And there's nothing to stop information filtering out to the public but uh back to the night of the doctor stunning and uh, and, and, and when sorry and when mcgann was speaking about it yesterday was he did he seem proud of what he'd done yeah i think he was quite happy to to have come back and just put a little coder onto his time as the doctor mm. um i mean the name check of the big finish characters obviously got a lot of people excited um they couldn't mention grace holloway because of rights issues of course watching it just made you really wish he, he'd been in actually I, I think he could have been in the anniversary special to be honest as much as I loved John Hurt and I think he's a brilliant actor and all that I just think they could have easily just got Paul McGann in as a, a darker version of the same character I mean I've heard some people saying oh well they couldn't have done it because the character in Big Finish was developed so you know being developed in a certain way but guess what the general public don't listen to Big Finish you know so it would have been quite easily in my opinion, slot him in. Given that Eccleston, for whatever reason, didn't want to do it, whether it was he was only presented with a cameo or something larger, I certainly know that... Well, the impression that I, I've gained from you know having a listen and reading is that Stephen Moffat wasn't happy that Eccleston said no. I mean, and then they turned around and basically straight away approached, you know, Hurt, and he said yes. Given that he is a, you know, you know an actor with, you know, the, the highest pedigree... Uh, in, 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 in filmmaking and television. I, I I mean, as whilst I would have loved to have had um, McGann and from a sort of, you know, just to go a bit fairnish there, from a, ca- a canon point of view, somehow uh, just inserting a, a new Doctor in between, you know, uh, McGann and Eccleston just sort of <laughs> makes my fan impulse to list things just go berserk. I totally agree. I'm having uh, major problems reconciling it, to be honest. It, it is. It is. Uh, look, it was. Uh, I suppose it was the second best option for 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 Moffat, and he, he's attempted to explain it away. And frankly, his 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 his, his explanation makes absolutely no sense. Which is like his scripts. They don't make much sense. If if Stephen Moffat can stand up in front of a mirror and recite those words to himself and not break down into tears or laughter, then that he can believe just about anything. But no, I, I really I really enjoyed it. I thought, um, given that, I, I mean, I would have liked, I would love to see him again in a, in a, in a mini series or you know a parallel series. I mean, obviously the money, I suppose the money's not there, but you know, there's co-production funding you can you can get anywhere. Um, but again, you know, the BBC was wouldn't want to detract from its main you know, brand or stream of Doctor Who. but um, And I can understand the fans' impulses to sign a, sign a petition, but, you know, apparently only 15,000 people did. But given that, that the uh, it, 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 it had so many hits on YouTube or whatever, um, I, I, I would think that some BBC execs might have set up and taken notice and say, well, 
maybe 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 something could come of this down the track but um, that's that's for that's for the bean counters and the you know the production schedulers to have a think about and and all that sort of thing but it was look as 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 something to just sit down and watch for six you know for almost seven minutes I don't think uh, there there wasn't a false note from from minute you know from second one all the way all the way to the end um, and McGann I mean it's helped that he's been with Big Finish for ten years. But he, he, from the very beginning when he makes that first appearance, uh, right to the very end, is completely believably slot straight back into the role as if he'd never been been away. Um, and it, um, it's actually a good, it's a good little story. It's a good little story that sets up, you know, the the, the hurt doctor or the war doctor. So yeah, and uh, hats off to Stephen Muffet for pull, putting it together in apparently an evening. So, I mean, they did that other little minisode the last day, which. To be honest, was just rubbish. Can can can? Jeez, can they burn that? Oh, can they a, burn it? It was just dire. They should have just taken the, the 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 five or six minutes of that, added it onto the night of the doctor, just to have a fifteen minute mini side, and expand it a little bit. See more McGann than that car wreck. You don't even need to have that. I'm not even sure what the point of it was because it. What does it illuminate or illustrate that you wouldn't have already seen? In the day of the Doctor, anyway, a Dalek appears. The end. Big deal. It had all the menace of a Photoshop picture of a Dalek. You know, it, it it was nothing. You know, my kids running around with a pillow was more menacing than that Dalek. I mean, it's ridiculous. No, it was it was it was distinctly underwhelming. And uh, you know, the, I think the BBC thought that, or whoever came up with it, thought that it was a clever idea. It wasn't a clever idea. But then again, it didn't it didn't really detract from the overall. Uh, experience of the you know the, the lead up to the anniversary, but it was it was a false. It was but a it didn't do anything to ex, to expand on it either. So it's just a bit, it was just meh. It's just like yeah, you watch once, I'll never watch that again. Mm. Oh, but oh, um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what about the anniversary special itself? What did you uh, did it meet your expectations? Were you let down in some way? I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I w- I went in. The only expectation I went in was thinking, look, the classic series doctors aren't going to be in it. For no matter how much I would have liked them to be there, as people have said time and time again, and even though there was a get out clause in Time Crash with Peter Davison's, um, you know, coming along as an, as an older fifth doctor, it, it's just that time has marched on too too far. It really has. Now there may have been, you know, any number of inventive ways to get them around. There was talk that the the, the, the different incarnations would appear in in in, in paintings. Which you know that that could have been carried off. You know there was plenty of three dimensional paintings that the that were in the the gallery there, but at the end of the day, um, it was probably just too much to expect that they would they would be allowed, uh, they would be cast and, and and put into the script. And when you think about it, for a seventy five minute script, if you've if you'd had, you know, uh, Baker, Davis, and Baker, McCoy, McGann, you, you just would have had to have made it an extra thirty minutes longer just to justify having them there. And at seventy five minutes, I think that the episode hangs together really well. At uh, at 105 minutes, I I don't know. I really don't know. Probably could have done. Was at the end where they had the little screen images of the doc and a rush around the TARDIS consoles. They probably could have got um, Davison and, and Colin Baker and McCoy and potentially McGann just to record some maybe new audio instead of just ripping bits off the TV. Even though it would probably only be say 10 or 15 seconds, but just try. Uh, that would be the only way I think they could have satisfied some little part of that as opposed to just ripping off some audio off an old episode and, and smashing it through and, uh, you might have noticed that they used uh, two different set images for, for McCoy they used something from 
like from his from his original run of episodes, and then something from uh, the TV movie. Wasn't the fan putting it together then? <laughs> but um, in terms of in terms of oh, look, as I said, I really enjoyed it. I thought. Uh, for what it was, I mean, it was effectively uh, a lot of it was inspired by the three doctors, especially the banter between Hurt, Tennant, and Smith. I think I think it, Moffat just went back there and just plundered some of it, and you could, some of the lines were, you know, distinctly related back to the, the three doctors. Uh, I, I thought that the subplot with the Zygons, whilst it was a bit underdeveloped, was did did what it needed to do as basically being a pointer to the to the to the episode's resolution. I thought it was amusing that there was no actual real villain to 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 combat. It was more a character piece where the doctor is trying to wrestle with his the the decision of, of whether the, whether to use the moment device or not. So there's there's no uh, in the five doctors there's Barusa who's turned bad, and in three doctors there's there's uh, Omega. But in the day of the Doctor, there's when you sit down and think about it, who who's the villain of the piece? There's no, there's no, villain, there's none. No. It's it's as I said before, it's it's the Doctor wrestling with a with a terrible choice, and they come up with a contrived resolution to it, which 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 works. And as I said before, when I was uh, talking about adventure in space and time, there are points in the show in the episode where I I just had an emotional response. I mean, using the Hartnell uh, titles at the start, uh, the the bit with the, the policeman striding uh, past Coal Hill School. Um, that that I don't know. I, I just I'm just a sentimentalist. I think uh, as I get older, and, but I've been like that for a long, long time. But you've got that emotional invested in in the show. You, you, we've watched it for years and years and years. So when we see those things on the screen, of course, it's going to pull at our heartstrings. Where if it's a you know a new series fan or a, a relatively new fan, they're just going to say, "Oh, look at that piece of black and white footage." Well, that's true. But I mean, even even seeing Capaldi's eyebrows, I just felt a. a <laughs> It's ridiculous. I'm a grown man, so I don't know why. But it, I just felt this jolt or surge of emotion. Just you know, it was a sort of a an ecstatic reaction to seeing him there. Hmm. And I don't know. I don't know what causes that in me. But um, just to see him for 1.5 seconds, and he says his line, and he's he's just got this. He hasn't got a line. No, he says something. He says he says um... Omni shambles. <laughs> I thought Welcome he had a Tucker. line. I thought I heard him in his in his actual accent, his Scots accent. Did he? I might have to go back and have a look, but um, yeah, okay, I, I can't remember it to be honest because I've only watched it once. I only watched it at the BFI and I haven't watched it again. Oh, okay. I, I'm waiting for the, the Blu-ray 3D to turn up so I can watch it. <laughs> I, I want a bit of time um, to pass before I watch it again. Mm-hmm. You know, just because uh, I, like you, I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching it uh, when I when I when I saw it, but. Mm. Again, a lot of it was also seeing it in an audience full of like-minded people who were getting the same sort of response I was. So that whole collective viewing experience yes. for me... That, that does heighten your emotional that, 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 reception. That's too. right. It, it just sold it for me. So, um, you know, I want a bit of time to pass and I'll, I'll watch it again with with the wife in a couple of days and, and sort of look at it with uh, different eyes and hopefully I'll just keep the fan... The fan gene at bay and don't rip it to shreds. Well, I mean, I, I, saw, I saw the end of it, uh, the episode later that evening, and I, I still had the same reaction. But pr- pr- as you say, there's probably not enough distance between the, the original viewing and that second sort of partial viewing. Um, and then, of course, as I said earlier, I saw, you're seeing Tom Baker, and uh, clearly, you know, an elderly Tom Baker. I mean, he's oh, is he eighty? He's eighty odd now. He's, yeah, he's, he's almost. He's just well, he's hit eighty, I suppose. So. Mm. But I mean, again, in in what was it a minute of screen time? Two minutes? It was I just, think it's about three, three, four minutes. It was just fantastic, it. and you, you sometimes I was just sitting there thinking, 
are they scripted lines or has he just gone off on a tangent and Matt Smith's just trying to hold it together just for, just for the duration? Yeah, so it was, and it was great. Actually, just on that, I really enjoyed seeing Tennant again. Yeah, so did I. He was, the, the, the comedy double act he formed with Matt Smith was just gold, was great value. I really enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And again, they had their moments of light and they had their moments of shade where the, the sort of the, 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 the guilt that the, the Doctor has for you know the, the decision that he made, original decision that he made, uh, shone through. I mean, these these are people who who are, who are good actors, who are really good actors, and they they, they sort of portrayed that. Um, I I I will have one criticism of it, and can someone tell me what Clara is all? About? What's the point of Clara now? Well, just what is no no just generally speaking, because here is a here is a I've got nothing against General Louise Coleman. An actor is only as well served as as the script that they've they've been handed. What is the point of Clara? What does she do? I mean, she had virtually, other than uh, granted a key moment um, in talking to the hurt doctor about you know the decision he was about to make. But what's the point of her? As a as a companion, what does she do? She's just completely lightweight and has no real impact. And that just came up in the day of the doctor. Really, it was just I don't know. That was the one major f- f- you know stumble for me. But so that's... did Billy Piper have more more of an impact for you? I mean, look, I'm glad she came back as a different character. I don't think I could have handled her and Tennant. The smug twins again. Um, I was glad they were sort of kept right away from each other, and, and Billy Piper was playing a different character. That was a stroke of that was a really smart yeah. move. That was a really that was smart very move. smart. Yeah. yeah, and actually, she 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 portrayed it really well. Mm. She reminded me um, of uh, it was Jason Lee from The Crow, with sort of the the movements, but um, the, sort of the body movements. But uh, um, yeah, no, that was that was a, a smart move to sort of. Um, upturn people's expectations i really enjoyed the 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 day of the doctor i think um while it would have been nice for a a bigger celebration of that encompassed the entirety of the 50 years of the show um you've just got to face reality and that wasn't all to get all the way possible but what it did was was for me anyway i was entertained i laughed i choked up i really appreciated what what moffat and everyone who was involved put on the screen and it was just a you know, at the end of the day, Doctor Who was meant to entertain, and I was thoroughly entertained. It exceeded my expectations, and it, as you said, I, I got choked up at the right spots. I laughed at the right spots. Um, will I watch it as many times as I have the Five Doctors? Who knows? Get it? Who knows? Uh, <laughs> I'm touching oh, my nose Jesus. right now. <laughs> and you've got jet lag. The last thing I saw in terms of programming uh, was the Five Doctors reboot. The Five-ish Doctors reboot. The Five-ish Doctors reboot. Um, was it Peter Davison's uh, introduction or um, f- first uh, first script writing uh, credit? Well, I don't know about that because he'd done some fairly similar things for the Gallifrey One conventions. If you've seen those on YouTube, um, he's done something similar. Obviously, a lot more, less budget, but... Very similar vein. So he's obviously uh, this time around. Oh, sorry, he had the idea. When's the Stephen Moffat and uh, said, "Would you mind appearing in my little fan film?" And Moffat turned around and said, "Actually, how about I give you some actual dollars and a film crew, and off you go away and make it." And uh, what a revelation! How great was that? Um, how great was that? I think that if it had been edited more tightly and a bit more, you know, snappily. I think it would have been, for me anyway, it would have been an even more funny and entertaining experience. I think some of the which bits. Oh, look, I just think some of the some of the the setups were allowed to linger a little bit too long. I mean, the bit with Barrowman where you know the the three doctors are running after him, 
and they discover his his terrible secret that he's actually in a heterosexual man with a wife and two kids. Whilst that is funny, I don't know. I just think the way it was the the camera and and, and the actual editing of that scene, there was just the reaction shots. You know, were allowed to linger a little bit too long. It you know the the bit where you know Baker and Davison and Moffat realise that he's got a wife and two kids. It was McCoy. What did I say? Baker Davison. He said, he said Moffat. Oh, did I? He is the villain yeah. of the piece. No, those, a... Where they. <laughs> It's late. What can I say? They, uh, yeah, that I thought that that was allowed to linger a little bit too long between their reaction to seeing what they've seen and then going to the inside of the car. I think if it had been a bit more, you know, snappier, I, w- I would have found that a bit more amusing. And I, th- I thought that that was littered uh, through the actual episode. I mean, the jokes themselves were fine. You know, um, Colin Baker getting the the special edition for Vengeance on Varus and basically locking his family in and and we're able to watch it. I mean, that's that's amusing. It should have been time lash just for extra laughs, but uh, uh, the, the whole the whole premise of it was you know it was 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 pretty good it was pretty good I I, I enjoyed it. It's a fairly a, a star-studded uh, roll call, wasn't it? it was well, when you get McCallum, Ian McClellan, for goodness sake, Peter Jackson? So what's going on there? Speaking of eyebrows, um, Gandalf. But uh... no, I um, I've actually watched that more than Day of the Doctor. I think I've watched it about two or three times, and uh, I just think it's hilarious, very funny. The editing didn't worry me actually. I was quite okay with it I just sort of was swept along so I, I like those sort of things they just don't take themselves too seriously yeah, and, and it, it had a point as well it was, it was you know a little bit touching that the, these, these three blokes want to be in it and they go to any 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 lengths to, uh, to, to wanted to be in the 50th anniversary special and they go to any lengths to do it but um, no I mean look I, I, I don't grant you that it, it, it wasn't funny I mean it was it was amusing um, I think it could have been a bit better but you know I imagine without you know the BBC Tipping in some money and a crew. I mean, I mean, for me anyway, I wonder what it would have been like. Whether it would have been funny at all. But uh, no, glad Probably to have it. Have definitely glad. Uh, what? Sorry. Probably wouldn't have been made. Maybe. You know, to that to that level. But, oh no, it wouldn't uh, have been. No, no. no I'm glad they did it. I thought it was. Yeah, uh, I agree. I agree. It was a, a light-hearted moment, uh, showing the, the desperation of three people who wanted to uh, be in the special where the the villainous Mr Moffat denied in that right. Just uh, on that point, what do you think of Colin Baker's comments over the last couple of weeks about the he him and and the other classic doctors not being in the anniversary special? What do you think about what do you think of those comments? Most of those comments were made before the revelation that that Tom Baker was going to be in it. So I think initially there was slightly tongue in cheek. Maybe this is the way I was reading it, but uh, after he found out and obviously watched the day of the doctor where he saw Tom Baker was in it, displeasure has uh, been amplified uh, significantly. Mm. But um, having said that, I think he's the... I haven't heard any any comments from Davison or McCoy about it either. So I think Colin Baker's been the most vocal about it. And uh, yeah, I, I can take his point to a certain level, but as you said, they don't look the same. No. Uh, and it would have been it would have been a bit ridiculous having cameo upon cameo upon cameo littered through the story. As I said, I think the way they could have got it around was just doing new audio clips mm. when they showed those previous doctors. What 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 I thought uh, later on, think, just thinking about it, was if if Tom Baker is the curator of the gallery, the under gallery. I mean, he, it would have been amusing to have seen the other curators of the under gallery, and then or well, the security guard Colin Baker could have played Maxwell. <laughs> The security guard, couldn't he? <laughs> but I mean, McCoy, Davison, and, and Baker could have rolled up as the the other curators, but uh, or the cleaners and the janitor. You know, yeah, it could have been a whole whole host of uh, stuff. What about yeah? What did you think of Colin's comments? Uh, warranted. You know what? If if Colin Baker hadn't have been as so royally screwed by the BBC, 
all those years ago and had had a decent stab at the at, a, at an actual tenure instead of sort of two truncated years uh, or three truncated years and the um, boot and the boot I think he would be less riled up uh, about you know the way he perceives that he's being treated now than uh, if he hadn't um, I give him give him give him three or four years in the role I think he would have been like um, Davison and McCoy uh, just you know treated it with a, with a great deal more equanimity um, and whether look you know whether he's genuinely upset or whether he's genuinely taking the the, the urine um, there's it's very difficult to sort of read his words other than being you know he's genuinely upset about being excluded Um and you know, I mean, if if they're his genuine thoughts, then there is there is genuine thoughts, and he's entitled to entitled to that opinion. But um, like you said, like we've discussed, it just would have been very very hard to shoehorn them all in. That said, though, I mean, we we all sort of skated through the entire story, believing that Hurt was another incarnation of the Doctor. We we were able to buy that particular piece of fiction. How do you explain it, Moffat? How do you explain it? But, uh, yeah. I'm sure it will be revealed in the uh, time of the Doctor. There were some other ephemera uh, transmitted as well. Um, I watched the uh, the Culture Show documentary. I think it was called Who, Me and Doctor Who. I can't remember the name of the title. Isn't that terrible? It was hosted by Matthew Sweet, who was actually at the XL convention um, moderating a uh, panel between uh, Fraser Hines and, and Deborah Watling. So he's been on a few uh, DVD documentaries as well. He actually wrote a, a piece in the Sunday the UK Sunday Telegraph about uh, missing episodes uh, a week or so back. Oh, he did too, didn't he? Which was, uh, which is, you know, an interesting read. I mean, it, you know, I think he actually had an interview with uh, with Phil Morris. We, you know, we managed to get some quotes out of Phil Morris anyway. So no, I I, I intend watching it at some stage, but um, I've heard good things. Yeah, it was actually quite good. It sort of touches on different eras of the show. Uh, the only sort of criticism I have of it was uh, when talking about John Nathan Turner, they brought up. Uh, the more salacious side of uh, JNT's personality as opposed to the work he did. I think that was the only... And, and to be honest, it only went for a very small uh, mm. section of the, of the documentary and I just thought it probably wasn't needed. Not that I'm whitewashing the subject. Uh, if you read the book, you obviously know why. Uh, I just didn't think it was it wasn't really needed. I don't think J, uh, JNT's sexuality and his choices that he made in life directly impinged on his production, his time as the producer as such, more or less. So you sort of you sort of wonder what was the angle? What was the angle? There's plenty of other controversial aspects to JNT's tenure, and plenty of other good points that you could cover. Hmm. Uh, maybe it's topicality, given the atmosphere within the BBC in the UK at the moment, um, after certain revelations from uh, much earlier this year. But I don't know. But then again, I suppose they're on the on the back foot now because. They were playing it down beforehand for so long, and well, now they're right. just trying to do the other thing. So, well, I mean, you can't win. I mean, if they if they don't cover it, you know, on a BBC production, they're accused of covering up or whitewashing that particular error. And if yeah. they do cover it, they're accused of going down the wrong path by you know myself. So they didn't cover it in Doctor Who: The Ultimate Guide, for example. So I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> you know, here's the, here's the section of the eighties, and there's, there's five minutes dedicated to this. Um, you know, this topic. But um, mm. yeah, look, on the whole, though, that was a really good. Uh, Good feature, apart from that little bit. And uh, the last thing I watched was um, Doctor Who, The Ultimate Guide, which was basically uh, a very big clip show, really, with a condescending tone. And Excellent. You don't get much out of those. You just watch it and say, oh, I've forgotten that clip. It, was, it went for an hour and a half. That was quite... Uh, oh, God. Yeah, it was quite long. Um, I just watched it on the train. Are there any intentions to have any of these things come out on DVD? I would think not. Uh, especially the Doctor Who after party, which I didn't watch, but I've heard plenty of things uh, not to watch it. 
Mm. Although I did see it being filmed at the when I was at the BFI, I was sort of walking out of there. They had it, so it was being recorded in the, in the bar there, and I saw a lot of the old companions sort of seated around, looking a bit dazed and confused, really. And I think I think they, the BBC obviously thought, well, the, uh, the the announcement of the live announcement of Capaldi was a, a roaring success. We'll we'll see if we can go back to the well again. Just goes to prove that you really can't go back. So exactly, it would have been better with a live announcement of uh, Marco Polo, which uh, didn't eventuate on that day. Well, actually, what happened with that was that was there talk? Oh, there was plenty of talk at the uh, at the convention. Mm. I didn't ask Phil Morris though, but uh, I didn't think it was proper. Look, if you were prepared to go up to him, you should have asked him. I was trying to be diplomatic. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to get uh, security foisted on me. Was he carrying a very heavy-looking backpack that rattled like it had tins in it? No, no, not at all. Not he at was all. Uh, casually dressed. So, Mark, what did you think? What did you think of the anniversary celebrations themselves, overall, in a nutshell? Well, I think I was quite down on the whole thing mid-year because nothing it was really, in my opinion, going on. Uh, and then things exponentially started ramping up until the... Uh, to the massive climax. So, on the whole, was I happy? Yes, uh, Moffat did deliver in terms of uh, there'll be more Doctor Who on TV from a, uh, I suppose, a documentary and other rubbishy programs point of view. The special delivered for me. Uh, Adventure in Space and Time definitely delivered for me. The McGann return, yes, absolutely. The missing episodes returns, yes. So, so from a ranking perspective, uh, rank the top three uh, events of the 50th anniversary. Yeah. Number one was the... Uh, Missing episodes. Mm-hmm. Number two, Adventure in Space and Time. Now, number three. I'd actually have to say Night of the Doctor. Controversy. I got a real big buzz out of that more than the anniversary special. Isn't that weird? I think because I, was, I, was, I wasn't expecting to see Paul McGann back. Where I, you sort of knew Tennant was coming back and you didn't know what, what character uh, Granddad uh, John Hurt was playing. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was going to be an older version of McGann. But uh, no, it just was that shoehorned uh, Time Lord. But um, yeah, they were my top uh, three what about yourself Rob what was your top three uh, well, by a country mile it would have to be the return of the missing episodes uh, that really sparked the anniversary up for me and I, like you I'd, I'd had whinged and moaned uh, since the beginning of the year that the BBC were doing bugger all to actually celebrate this where when you I mean taking a step back and with perfect vision that the 2020 that hindsight gives you um, there is a way to do this and that the, these people work in TV for a particular reason and they know what they're doing so as you said, uh, when they started ramping things up, um, it made more sense about the, the, the way they were they were you know bringing everything to fruition. Uh, so yeah, so the, the 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 return of those missing episodes uh, by Country Mile. Um, my second, I would probably have to say uh, the day of the Doctor. Mm. Um, it it really it ticked, basically ticked all the boxes for me, and again, it was a really entertaining celebration of the show. Uh, the third. I'm just going to sound really, you know, not nasty. That's not the right word, but I'm just going to sound like... uh, I'm just going to say The Night of the Doctor, I think. I think because it just had that seven minutes of concentrated goodness that just pips at the post uh, an adventure in space and time. I think Adventure in Space and Time is a more worthier production, but I didn't quite get that thrill that I got from The Night of the Doctor. Now, speaking of adventure in space and time, Rob, um, we have a bit of a competition to announce 
Thanks to our very good friends at uh, BBC on DVD. Uh, we have three copies of this uh, particular tale uh, to give away uh, in our very first competition. Rob, what are the details? Now, what we're going to do, folks, is, um, as we've said, we encourage all sorts of feedback from our, from our listeners. So, And so far, we have none. None. So basically, what we're asking you to do is to uh, email us, or uh, email us would be best, uh, and give us your, your top three moments of the 50th anniversary. And uh, just give us a little anecdote about uh, how you enjoyed the 50th anniversary and the, 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 what we consider to be the top three will be the winners. That's right. So this uh, competition is open to uh, everybody who has a DVD player and can play PAL discs. So we'll stump up the postage costs. So, yes, please get your submissions in. Um, we'll have uh, We'll give you two... Let's give it to Christmas Eve to get them in. And then once we've watched the time, the Night of the Doctor... What's it called? Time of the Doctor. Night, day and time. We'll announce the winners uh, during our uh, Time of the Doctor podcast. Uh, we'll get that out hopefully before New Year's Eve 1999. Probably gorged ourselves on Doctor Who over the last uh, couple of weeks, Rob. Have you? Uh, has your appetite been sated? Have you been watching anything, uh, any other Doctor Who stuff? post-anniversary or you sort of just had enough no that you can never have enough of doctor who frankly mark and anyone who says that you 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 can is clearly deluded all right they're clearly too much in in touch with reality i uh, have taken on a reviewing gig for an online magazine um and i'm i have been in receipt of uh, review discs for the uh the doctor uh, revisited and uh, i've uh, been churning my way through the first three uh, so I've been watching, uh, well, first, second, and third Doctors. I just finished watching the third Doctor disc today. Uh, as a primer for new series fans um, being introduced to the classic series, uh, it does the job. It's very slick. It's very quick. It's very pacey. Stephen Moffat loves um, uh, linking uh, the classic series with the new series. Uh, and David Tennant is a, a very uh, considered uh, contributor to the whole, to the whole thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you're a, if you're a classic series uh, aficionado like we are, uh, they offer you absolutely nothing that's new or remarkable. If you're a new series person, uh, and given the stories that they've uh, you know included, uh, the Aztecs, Tomb of the Cybermen, and Spearhead from Space from the uh, the disc that I've watched, they give you a very good grounding in classic series Doctor Who. Uh, and the other thing I've I've done um, after having read an interview with Neil Cross in DWM. I went and picked up a cheap second-hand copy of one of his novels because he writes crime thrillers. And uh, he's... Uh, I'm just looking at it now. I've read a copy of a book called Captured, which um, is a very, very taut and uh, stripped-down uh, thriller that he, he wrote a number of years ago. Um, crime fiction isn't really my, my game, uh, but uh, in terms of uh, seeing what a Doctor Who writer does outside you know, Doctor Who... There's a very interesting insight into um, his story writing and how he constructs a, constructs a story. And um, it's even though it's very stripped down, it's a very lyrical, uh, lyrically written book uh, about a man who's dying, who uh, basically draws up a list of people he wants to thank for being nice to him. And then uh, the crime aspect comes into that. But uh, any journeys around England, and um, you get an evocation of the, 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 the beauty of the landscape and that sort of thing, which you generally wouldn't expect in a very grim and, and gritty and bloody and torturous uh, crime thriller as this is so it's a short book it, um, if the type wasn't so large and the spaces between the sentences were, weren't so big instead of being 240 pages it would have been comfortably 160 but uh, uh, yeah I give it a thumbs up it's, it, was, it was a good way to spend a couple of days is it like a Terence Dix uh, crime novel 
uh, but with a liberal use of um, crowbars. And so, wheezing, groaning sounds. <laughs> Let's just say no one gets out of this one alive. So, Have you, have you watched Luther? I've watched... Uh, my wife and I have been watching the first series of Luther... And uh, it's a, it's a great deal of fun. It's a really enter- it's great, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, really good. It's just a, it's just a pity that Idris Elba has become so successful in Hollywood because he probably I was going to say make a good Doctor Who like he was sort of uh, mentioned, rumored to be, but having actually thought of that before I spoke, I actually think he'd be an awful Doctor. His name keeps getting earmarked as an ex James Bond. So well, look, you know, if Daniel Craig can have blonde hair and you know James Bond can. Um be black actually on that score there's a really good just to diverge onto other podcasts there's a really good podcast called james bonding which is available from the nerdist network which is a really good review podcast for james bond anyone who's out there listening so that's my uh that's my tip for the night because we don't review on this podcast no although we just have we've actually spent the greater part of 60 minutes doing so so forgive us for our sins go back to the revisitation series um so, I mean, some of the story choices are quite safe. Uh, I'm glad they went for things like Earthshock. They could have gone for Kays of Androzani, which, you know, it's great, it's wonderful, but you need a bit of a break, from it, to be honest. So It's, it's actually in no way typical of Davison's era. No. Where, where, whereas Earthshock more or less is. The Aztecs, for example, I mean, I know they wanted to show the historical side of it. Troughton, they didn't have much choice, really. Uh, Pertwee... Yeah, it's Spearhead, yeah, again. And again, Spearhead is atypical of his, his era anyway. I mean, the, his whole first year is completely atypical to the rest of his, you know, the remainder of his run. Mm. I mean, they're better stories than, you know, 90% of what came after. But um, mm. And I personally would have loved five years of that, even though it probably would have killed the show. But um, And yourself, I mean, you said you were completely glutted on Doctor Who. You've got not gone near it in the recent past. I haven't, actually. Um, I've actually I've, I've actually got two books that turned up. I've got the Robert Holmes, A Life and Words by oh, Richard really? Molesworth, the biography. So that just uh, turned up from an uh, overseas uh, book shop that doesn't pay tax. So thank you for that. I also received uh, Adventures with the Wife in Space by Neil, Neil and Sue Perryman. So I've been following their blog uh, since it started and uh, really enjoyed their musing. So uh, that's my holiday reading, I think, taken care of. So I haven't watched any Doctor Who, though. I think I'm done. I've been watching The Walking Dead instead, which is exactly how I feel at the moment, to be honest. <laughs> well, The Walking Dead is a, is a beautiful antidote to... Uh... The bright and sparkly uh, new series Doctor Who. That's right. It's got David Morrissey in it, so you know there's a connection there. Yeah, I, he's I, still there. I've fallen behind, but um, I, I I look forward to catching up. He is the uh, the a character called the Governor. I can't do the sill laugh, but uh, the Governor. <laughs> Don't you have to eat bits of sherbet or something like that? So. <laughs> Well, we'd all like to thank you for uh, joining us again uh, on the 42 to Doomsday podcast for our bumper catch-up edition. Mark uh, swanning around the UK, uh, finally returned with uh, much information and, and opinion. So, But no missing episodes, unfortunately. Not yet. Not yet. yet. Watch the skies, people. Watch the skies. Or watch Twitter. Or please do watch Twitter. So thanks everyone once again for joining us on our bumper catch-up edition of 42 to Doomsday. As always... Uh, especially with regards to the competition, you can email us at 42todoomsday at gmail.com. 42todoomsday is 42todoomsday at gmail.com. You can catch us on Twitter at uh, at 42todoomsday. You can leave a message on our blog, uh, 42todoomsday.wordpress. 
um, and I don't know, send a carrier pigeon to us, basically with something strapped to it, any way, shape, or form. And we look forward to your uh, submissions for the competition because we want to get rid of those DVDs. They're clogging up my cupboard. And uh, that's not a good thing. So I've been Robert. And I've been Mark. And to quote Mr Hartnell, and a Merry Christmas to you at home. Bye-bye. Bye. I wish to be your friend. Please may I have some more love for me. Christmas 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 Merry Christmas Merry Christmas Merry Christmas